from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The quarterback dominoes continue to fall in the NFL. And we're a week away from the franchise tag being a huge part of the conversation about a former MVP and what's next for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But what if I told you there's not only a realistic scenario that involves Lamar ending up somewhere else, but also a destination maybe better equipped than Baltimore to take advantage of Lamar Jackson, the quarterback. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Y'all can chime in, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Harry, we've been working together long enough. You know I am not a person that comes in willy-nilly with all sorts of like, well, this could happen. Like, I like realistic scenarios, right? You you yep. know that. I, I am a very logical person. So I want you to hear this because Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN, ESPN NFL front office insider was on GetUp, and he gave us a very real scenario that could result in Lamar Jackson changing teams. I want your thoughts on what Mike says here. This one is the most fascinating one to be green because if the Ravens put the franchise tag on, the Jets don't have to call him. They could just go right to Lamar Jackson and give up two ones and where they're picking and what they their options are. That may make the most sense. The Ravens could put the exclusive franchise tag on, which basically is another eight to ten million dollars. The franchise tag's thirty-two million. The exclusive franchise tag means he can't play in place else. And I've talked to multiple teams in the league. A lot of people feel like if Lamar Jackson gets this exclusive, uh, the non-exclusive tag, uh, some team will go after him. Maybe the Jets, somebody else. There's not enough quarterbacks, and Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson's that good. Non-exclusive means if somebody else signs him and he goes there, it would require giving up two first-round draft picks for a former MVP. That doesn't seem out of line to me, Harry. No, it doesn't at all. And I think the the perfect team in that situation that I trust uh, a play caller to do the right thing with Lamar Jackson would be the Colts, right? With Shane Steichen being the head coach now there, um, just being named I think what he was able to do with Jalen Hurts in the, in the Philadelphia Eagles was phenomenal. And uh, I'm going to take y'all back to the Super Bowl that we just recently seen. Jalen Hurts had a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. On the very next drive, Shane Steichen didn't, didn't shy away from anything. He said, you know what, this is our best player. This is our guy. We're still going to lean on him. He called QB run after QB run and still put things in Jalen Hurts' hand. And on that next drive, they went down and scored a touchdown. I'm just picturing and imagining Lamar Jackson in an offense with Shay Steichen being able to provide different things for him um, at the quarterback position. Also, you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Now, their offensive line is going to have to be buffed up a little bit, and guys are going to have to take things more seriously. But when you're a new head coach coming in and you basically say, hey, this is how it's going to be, and you can set the tone from day one, that can drastically be changed uh, the way you want it to be. But I, I love the Colts. And then if the Ravens, uh, and that's all if the Ravens don't want to pay Lamar Jackson and they feel like they don't want to, you know, basically give him what he's demanding and what he's asking for, then you go to the next best case scenario. And if for them, you would end up getting the number four pick and whatever first round draft pick after that. Now, you have, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you're in a position to where you can take a young quarterback with that fourth pick. And if you don't uh, see anybody that you want to fit your mold, you can move back and possibly take somebody or go about it however you may want to do it. But I do believe the, the Indianapolis Colts with Shane Steichen being their head coach right now and what he was able to 
do with Jalen Hurts and with the Philadelphia Eagles, I think it makes the most sense if the Ravens decide to go another direction. You are blowing my mind here because it's the number four overall pick that I think is a huge part of this equation. You can't always control. You're going to get two first-round picks back in exchange, mm-hmm. right? You can't always control where those picks are. And what you don't want to do is get the 31st pick in the draft next year. You don't want to get the 27th pick in the draft next year that may or may not be able to help you move up to get one of the guys. If you have that rare opportunity to pick at the top of the draft, the Colts actually do have something in this leverage conversation that could be appealing to the Ravens. On top of that, the Colts made it clear a month ago that the one thing they were going to address was the quarterback position. They've got to walk out after the comments that that Chris Ballard, their GM, and Jim Irsay, the owner, made over the course of the last month about their absolute dedication to finding a quarterback. They can't come out with Jimmy G. They can't come out of this with Jacoby Brissett. They can't come out of this with a nobody at quarterback. They've got to be able to sell the fan base on we got it figured out. And you don't do that with any sort of a a, a half-ass answer at this point now. That being said, Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard, uh, they were they, at their press conference uh, introducing Shane Steichen as the head coach. Apparently, I haven't heard this yet, America. Apparently, they tipped their hand on the quarterback they like. This is what uh, this is what they said. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. Yeah, trade back. So, um, <laughs> He likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking quote. <laughs> he, he likes picks. Uh, 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 although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, I love this. They're just out there like, will it trade back Ballard telling everybody he likes picks? It, it's an interesting situation because I do think Shane Steichen is such a huge part of this conversation. Anyone that doesn't know, Shane Steichen has been the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was asked specifically what he looks for in a quarterback. I think his answer is important. Harry, listen to what he said. I think accuracy, uh, decision-making, and the ability to create are the three things that uh, I look at in a quarterback. Um, I think those are important, but obviously above the neck. I think the, you know, the players that I've been around, Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert and Phillip Rivers, uh, they all have one thing in common. They're obsessed with their craft. Uh, and if you can find that uh, in a quarterback, you're probably going to have some success. All right, so accuracy. Well, that's something Jalen Hurts didn't have coming into this year, right? Something that dramatically improved this year working with Shane Steichen. So if you see the fundamentals, you can correct the, you can correct the accuracy, right? That's going to be the presumption. Yep. Then the next part of it is decision-making. Well, I mean, I don't think we've ever had a problem with Lamar Jackson's decision-making, right? And then playmaking ability. We all know where that is. Like, this only speaks to your point, Harry, that Shane Steichen has proof of concept working with the quarterback that, frankly, I don't think if you just put them right now on the same team in the same way, I think Lamar Jackson is still a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts today. Jalen Hurts is just coming off a remarkable season. Yes, and I will say this. If the Baltimore Ravens decided that they do want to trade, you know, and and go get – um, the number four pick overall. We got to remember, Todd Munkin was in the SEC the last two years. He has seen Bryce Young a lot. He has seen Will Levis a lot. He just narrowly beat C.J. Stroud in a game that they played in the semifinals, a game that me and you both both were working uh, fit. So he does have the – he's very familiar with those guys. And if the coach decided they want to stay put, there's two guys on my list. Bryce Young and Will Levis, because uh, you talk about playmaking ability, I think that's going to be a big part of it when it comes to Shane Steichen and what he wants to do offensively, and we've seen that with the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Now, C.J. Stroud is a, is, a, is a good quarterback. Now, the playmaking ability, being able to be dynamic and utilize his legs in the QB run game, I don't think that's more so his, his strong suit. 
It's interesting you mentioned the Todd Munkin, a new offensive coordinator for the Ravens as of about an hour ago. Uh, You mentioned Munkin and his experience with the SEC. A thousand percent right. I mean, you're talking about somebody that's coming in uh, to the Ravens organization that's going to know about Bryce Young and Will Levis at more than anybody, right? Well, like, and CJ Stroud because yeah, you know they just played him. Uh, it's well, and, and the biggest knock for anyone that's just starting to pay attention on Bryce Young is that he is small, and I do not mean short; I mean frail. Like according to some reports down in Alabama, he was playing at 165 pounds during the season last year. Your quarterback at 165 pounds that could scare away. Some NFL teams, but another coordinator in the SEC for Georgia that goes up against him is going to know exactly how tough he is, exactly what he's capable of, exactly how good he is. If there is a chance that there's any question mark about Lamar Jackson, Tom Munkin can answer some of those questions, not just from a, I've watched the tape, but from a, I've stood on the field and spent a week prepping for this guy. I know what there is to know about it. And I would bring up the SEC championship game when Georgia had all those guys a year ago go to the National Football League and how Bryce Young carved up that defense and still put on a decent showing in the national championship game as well when his weapons were depleted, when he didn't have a John Mitchell the third, when Jamison Williams got hurt, right? Alabama was still in that game for a good uh, good little bit before Georgia actually took it over. So he's seen Bryce Young do it up close in person uh, multiple times. It gets a number one defense in which a lot of those guys were drafted in the first round and are now on NFL teams. Yeah, it, it is amazing how much we're starting to look at coaching. And I think this, this is why you see coaches be more more and more particular about their opportunity. When a coach goes to a team, we're immediately saying, what did that coach do well? Not just from the standpoint of, did my offensive unit perform well? Did my defensive unit perform well? Who excelled? Like, what do we see? Dayball uh, leaves Buffalo, and we, we look at the, tra- the the transformation we saw of Josh Allen, and we start to see a little little kiss of that from Daniel Jones, and all of a sudden it makes sense. This is the same thing that's going to happen over the course of the next couple of months. Shane Steichen now takes over the Colts job with immediate pressure to figure out the quarterback position. We we all know the game isn't over till it's over. So next time you need parts for your car, don't call it quits. Go to eBay Motors. They got 122 million parts to take your car into overtime. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. All right. Shane Steichen headed to Indy. That could actually change the entire NFC East. We'll tell you why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. In 1920, halfback Fritz Pollard led the Akron Pros to a championship in the newly formed National Football League. The next season, he accepted the role of player coach, becoming the first black head coach in NFL history. Today, his impact is felt through the Fritz Pollard Alliance, an organization advocating for diversity in coaching and front office positions. and Harry, the podcast. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won another Super Bowl. It's all, it always hurts, right? Anytime you don't come out on top, it hurts. We'll use this pain, we'll use this failure for motivation for us. You either win or you learn. That's how I feel. You either win or you learn. 
you know, really, really happy for Trav. You know, played his ass off. Um, that team deserves everything they had. You know, it, it is it is a tough feeling to come up short. You know, it's a, it's, it's a very tough feeling. Sports Radio 94 WIP on the call. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, breaking news. We have breaking Aaron Rodgers news right now. This Justin to Fitz and Harry. Are you ready for this? Let's go. He just told Pat McAfee his darkness retreat will begin at the end of the week. (laughs) So to be clear, last Tuesday we found out there would be a four-day darkness retreat. In the seven days since, he didn't have time to do that. Maybe, like, do you have to schedule that? Do you have to book someplace? Like, It's been planned for four months. The date has been set for four months. Okay, so that just wasn't made clear to us last week? I mean, what are we doing? Okay, so now apparently at the end of this week, do we know if it's a Thursday or Friday, Evan? Like, do we have a, like, do do we, any idea? I I think it'll be on McAfee on Thursday to let us know if it's Thursday or Friday. I mean, because if he starts at Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, then he goes to McAfee Tuesday, straight off a four-day darkness retreat. He has hasn't even seen light in four days. He goes straight to see Pat. Like, that is a beacon of light in a dark, dark world, Harry. I know this is the breaking news we all needed. Aaron Rodgers will start his darkness retreat at the end of the week. How how are we feeling about that one? Yeah, just tell him to hurry up and finish his damn retreat and and, and give us an answer on what he's going to do next year. Yeah, I love that, you know, when you're super rich, you choose to sit in darkness. When you're poor like I did growing (laughs) up, you're like, we can't turn the lights on. (laughs) Sorry, mom and dad didn't pay the electric bill. He's doing it by choice. I don't get any of this. He's preparing for when he goes to the Jets. I mean, not seeing the light for four days. He's not going to see the light for four months while he's with the Jets. Oh, my God. You know what? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Like, I've been to plenty of Packers practices uh, over the years. There's this little, like, dive casino right down from where they used to practice uh, all the time. I'm not sure darkness is really worse than that portion of uh, of Wisconsin in January, February. So it might be, might be a win. Fitz and Harry. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I, I kid uh, because I can't stand it. But, yes, that is the Aaron Rodgers update. The darkness retreat hasn't happened yet so if you were waiting for an update remember he said the darkness retreat will tell him where he's going to play we ain't getting that Harry we did get an update though (laughs) Shane Steichen is the new coach of the Indianapolis Colts now that means that the Eagles have to replace their offensive coordinator that is not the only coach that they are looking at right now as there are a chance that they are going to be absolutely pillaged through the course of the next couple of weeks. There's still one open job with Arizona, the defensive coordinators being considered there, but you also have coordinator positions that are going to be filled on this staff. Like The Eagles, for all of the success they just had, will face a unique challenge of having to rebuild their roster and maybe a portion of their coaching staff. Yeah, and I'll start with uh, the offensive coordinator position um, Shane Steichen leaving, it's a big hit for him. But also you have Brian Johnson, who is their quarterback coach, who happens to play for Jalen Har- uh, Hurts' father when he grew up in Texas in high school. So you know those guys have a, a close-knit relationship. Also, I think uh, Brian Johnson is going to be the lead candidate, but also they have a guy on staff, their tight end coach, named Jason Michael, who has been an offensive coordinator in the National Football League before because he was my OC my first year when I was with the Tennessee Titans. He's been uh, with Nick Sirianni since his Colts days and went over with him as well. So one of those two guys, I think it's going to be Brian Johnson, but also I think it's imperative that you have a guy in there with Jalen Hurts that he's familiar with. 
a guy that he's probably close to that can also keep kind of the same things up that Shane Steichen was able to provide for him as well. Defensive side, I don't know where they're going to go. I actually happen to know Jonathan Gannon very well. He was at Louisville with me when I was at Louisville playing as a player, but he was a GA at the time, and I knew he had the qualities to be a defensive coordinator and also now potentially a head coach. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing who, if he does get a head coaching job with the Arizona Cardinals, who are they going to be able to replace him with as well? Yeah, I mean, that's a, an interesting situation. And this is what you deal with when you win Super Bowls, right? Like your your staff and your players are coveted. We all know that. The, the Eagles look like they have about 20 free agents going into the offseason. They're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts at some point. And they may be making a change at offensive and defensive coordinator. Uh, Gannon is up for the Cardinals job. And it feels like right now, I, I, unbelievable. Like when the Colts have an easier time filling their coaching position than the Cardinals do, that tells you something. But it's a, it's a less than ideal situation to have to go into for Arizona because they won't have whoever takes that job won't have your starting quarterback until near the end of the season. And then you've got the rehab even from that. Here, here's the, the the chess piece when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, right? Because I thought Shane Steichen would have been the perfect fit um, because you have Kyler Murray. Granted, I don't think he's going to play this season, but moving forward, if Jonathan Gannon gets that head coaching job, is he going to bring somebody from that coaching tree, right, from where he just uh, would have left from the Philadelphia Eagles? But So now you still have a guy in place that has the mindset that Jalen that that that, that uh, to call plays like they did for Jalen Hurts. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Also, curiously, if somebody like Gannon takes the job in Arizona, Gardner Minshew. We were talking earlier about quarterbacks and destinations. Gardner Minshew, somebody he's faced in practice all the time. He has pretty good knowledge of. If you need a stopgap quarterback, maybe you've seen enough of Minshew to believe that he's good enough to come with you and at least hold the fort down until Kyler Murray gets healthy. And I'm not sure Gardner Minshew is going to have another big – I mean, if he played incredible in those games, maybe there'd be a discussion. But, you know, if you're Gardner, uh, that could be a good opportunity. All this to say that the NFC East could look wildly different by this time next year. I mean, when you start talking about replacing that many players and replacing coaches, you're really essentially replacing an entire Super Bowl culture from a year. That's not easy to do. Yeah, and I, and I personally thought this season, 2022-2023 uh, season, that the Philadelphia Eagles from the other three teams in that division separated themselves. I think they only would have had one loss on their schedule if Jalen Hurts didn't get hurt. Um, and granted, two losses now since they lost the Super Bowl. But moving forward, one thing we do know about this division, right? The last time a team were the back-to-back -back winners was 2003-2004, and that was the Eagles at the time. Since then, there has been a different winner of the NFC East ever since. And I look at these teams, I look at the Washington Commanders and how I feel like they're just a quarterback away. I'm looking at the New York football Giants. Shout out to you, Dev. I know you're back there probably throwing your hands up in the air right now. Our producer, Devin Kane, he's a huge Giants fan. I look at the Giants and how Daniel Jones were able to make strides with Brian Dable as their head coach this season. And then you look at the Dallas Cowboys. I'm interested to see what pieces the Dallas Cowboys are going to be able to add. We know what their defense is. Can their offense get more explosive with another wide receiver? Uh, Tony Pollard, is, he's, is he going to be back? He has to get healthy. We do know that. Are they going to bring Ezekiel Elliott back, or are they going to let Ezekiel Elliott go? But I do believe they need more, a little bit more firepower offensively um, to complement their defense a little bit better moving forward. But I think these teams uh, are going to be closer to each other more so than they were this past season, and we might have a different winner um, when it comes to that division. Think about eight months ago when we were sitting there thinking the NFC East would be the NFC least and that the AFC West would be the best division we'd ever seen in the history of football. And now think about where the conversation is. What's wild to me about the East 
is that there is a, yeah, but there's like one contingency every fan base can stick to. And we'll talk about this when we go to do the digital draft show together. If you're a Giants fan, you're walking in and saying, just give me the best wide receiver available. We're going to be just fine. If you're a Commanders fan, you're saying, back up a Brinks truck for Derek Carr. We'll do whatever it takes. We just need a quarterback. If you're a Cowboys fan, you're saying, we just need a weapon or two, and all of a sudden we will run this thing back. Heck, we made the playoffs with what we had last year. And if you're the Eagles, you're saying, hey, as long as we have Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, we're going to be just fine. Like, that's the level of hope that you rarely see where every team in the division can make an argument on why they are going to be great. Speaking of the Cowboys, there's always drama in Dallas because of the Cowboys, but there's a new soap opera in town. They showed it last night, and they showed all of their Desperate Housewives tendencies. We'll tell you about it. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Doncic picks it up with 10 seconds. Cross-court Irving on the move. Pumps can't shoot. Right to Luka. Back to Kyrie. Fakes. Fly by. And then to the right. Oh, lost the ball. And it's picked up by Prince. And that'll do it. The game is over. And once again, almost incredibly, the Mavericks unable to get a shot at the rim. 97-1, the Eagle on the call. Sometimes... You know, I'm a fan of reality TV. I love a little drama in my life. I like to watch a little below deck. I'm all in on the Bravo shows. I want, I want things to be dramatic. I want tantalizing gossip. I want everybody to look at everybody. I want people mad at each other. I like it. And then I realized that part of the reason I love reality TV is because I love sports. Why do you need script-written reality TV when, in fact, you can just watch any given game on any given night, especially in the NBA? And the Mavs gave us last that last night without any sort of hesitation. Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and uh, Sirius XM Channel 80. HD, do you have a favorite trash drama TV show? Is there, like, is there a guilty pleasure watching thing for you, like Love Island or, you know, any, in, any sort of one of the <laughs> dating shows or maybe Real Housewives? Well, I don't know if this is considered a trash TV show, but any, any one of the 50 Cent, uh, shows that he he does currently right now. I'm watching uh, BMF okay. right now. Okay, yeah, so that's the uh, one I'm on right now. But what about the Real Housewives of Atlanta? Like you you own like two thirds of Atlanta, my, and those are I all leave, rich I leave, people. Uh, I leave that stuff to my wife. Okay, and actually, I asked my wife to do it too back in the day. So, I, uh, and you said no. Yeah, your your uh, work wife would say yes to that in a heartbeat. Look, uh, <laughs> uh, your work wife would be all in on it. Like, I, I'd be, I'd be you know, throwing the parties. I'd be, i doing the whole thing. Like, I'd be doing the whole thing. Uh, just call us, Bravo. We will watch what happens live. I want to uh, just meet me, Harry Douglas, talking about below deck. All right. So, in honor of some reality drama that we got last night from the Mavs and their loss to Minnesota, we're gonna play a little before, during, and after the game for this game because we had drama like any good show in chapters, in stages before the game. Kyrie. All right, he had the chance to talk to the media before the game. And this this is his quote to the Dallas media. He said, quote, I would love to have I would love to just have the respect of you guys and everybody the rest of the season of just continually asking me that puts unwarranted directions distractions on us and our team. I'm sorry. I've dealt with it before and it's very emotionally draining to ask questions like, what's the long term? What's the long term? What is it? He went to the media and said, don't ask me about my long term future. Like that is some drama before we've even hit the court, Harry. 
I'm laughing because I know how you feel about this. Oh, man, this. I'm so mad about but, this. But I, I'll say this, though. I love the simple fact that Kyrie just wants to focus on this year. He doesn't want, you know, to be answering questions about what he's going to do free agency-wise and next season. He, he wants to soak in the moment, being on the Dallas Mavericks and figuring this thing out with Luka Doncic, in which they still have some more things they need to iron out. Uh, but – I don't think he can decide what questions he's asked from the media. That, that's, the, that's the only downside of it. But I love the fact that his mindset is that he wants to focus on this season and this season only at the moment. But I don't think he gets to pick and choose what people ask. Him. Yeah, that's the hard part about it. Like, I'm with you. Athletes should focus on what athletes want to focus on. But I can't imagine being the local reporter down there or the local sports talk guy. You and I both better on local radio, too, where every day you're just sitting there saying, what's the hot topic? Well, you want to tell me right now, if you're on local radio in Dallas, that you're not ta- constantly talking about Kyrie and what's going to happen next for Kyrie? Like, that's a real conversation. So I can't imagine, like, I spend all day, I'm getting ready with all my questions. I can't wait to be in the room. I'm standing three feet from Kyrie, I open up my notebook and I've got 52 different ways that I'm going to ask him about what's coming. And he says, first and foremost, guys, no questions about the future. Uh, and that, that's the point where I'm like closing my notebook and I'm like, oh, oh, sure, 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 sure. But, but we know Kyrie, though. We know Kyrie loves to control situations. He loves to be in control. And that's just another instance where we see Kyrie Irving trying to control the narrative mm-hmm. there. So yeah, exactly. it's, it's not it's, it's nothing we, we, we aren't accustomed to or, or accustomed to seeing from Kyrie. No, you're right. It just feels like he's coming in saying, I just want to do my job, focus on basketball. And everybody that covers the team says, that's cute, Kyrie. Now I want to do my job and write stories about things like, I don't know, what's next for you because that's what people care about. It's just And whatever the narrative is, he helped create. That's all I'm saying. So then we get during the game, halftime of the game, there's an actual wedding at halftime. Would you ever get hitched at halftime of it? Did you ever like, like how did you pop the question? Was there like, a, were you on the sideline or anything? Did you do something sweet? No, like, no. I, I actually did something really, really special. I, I, I tricked my wife to thinking that we were going to a business meeting, uh, like a business meeting for for an endorsement deal, right? And I wanted her to be there with me. And um, I had previously talked to her family and her friends and all my family and friends and invited them to, had got the room at Capitol Grill. And then mm-hmm. when we walked into the room, she had no idea. Everyone was there and was like surprised. And I had some uh, John Legend playing and I got down on the knee and I asked her to marry me. Uh, here's the thing though. Wait, One some thing- John Legend or you actually had John Legend? You got that NFL no, no, money. No. You didn't get no, John no, no, Legend? No. He, okay. he, no, no, he was playing on, on, on the radio. He was okay. playing on the radio. Okay. Oh, all of you, you know, Harry. All right, but, but I will. I will I'll say this though. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think we were going to go there. But no, I, no. I'm not big on people <laughs> like propo- proposing uh, at sporting events or anything like that. Or better yet, getting married at a, a sporting event. That poor lady, and I don't even care if she agreed to it. That poor lady. My wife probably would have politely declined and said, uh, "No, we're not doing this here. We're not doing this at this moment." meet me with a, with, a, with a better scenario. Yeah, my thing is like, I'm going to ask the most typical me question of all time. How much did that cost? Like, because weddings are expensive. So I'm suddenly thinking like, did you save money by doing it at halftime? Because then I might be able to be talked into it. Or did it cost you more at halftime? Also, like the open bar versus not open bar. Like, I I, I wasn't going to have open bar for 20 of my friends. Getting, nonetheless, 18,000 strangers. Like, you ain't even of, getting a free water out of me. Of any sporting event is, is the most terrible thing in, in marriage <laughs> history. 
Literally. I, I want to get call. I want to get our listeners thoughts uh, and concerns about someone getting married at halftime of a sporting event and what they feel about that. And if their significant other would have been all for that. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. I'm also just a little curious, like when the guy says, if anybody objects to this wedding, can you stand up and boo? Are you allowed to boo somebody's wedding? I don't know. Cause it See, feels I like- would have did that as a fan. I would have been like, boo, terrible, terrible. Why would you do her like that? I think I was on the verge of getting kicked out of a girl's high school basketball game last night for booing the refs. I can't imagine. Be- <laughs> Look, I mean, the re- I'm just sorry, but Weathersfield, uh, Weathersfield needed better refs. The refs were not doing their jobs well. And I, I, all, I just politely asked what he was looking for exactly in a level of contact. That's all I asked for. It did not seem like he appreciated it. I would, I would absolutely get... Uh, well, now I, I will say this, though. One thing that Kyrie Irving and, and Luka Doncic need to figure out is who's going to take the last damn shot of the game. Yeah, and that, I don't care who does it, but you can't play hot potato. Here, Luka, you get it. Here, Kyrie, you have it. Here, Luka, you get it. Here, Kyrie, you have it. Turnover. You don't even get a damn chance to hit the game time three to send the game in overtime. That was the end of the game drama that was maybe the best part about it because you have two of the best playmakers in the world and they're both basically saying, no, man, man, man no, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, you go ahead. I've never seen anything like that with two players at that level just having no idea who's supposed to shoot it, Harry. But they're, they're going to figure it out, though. It's going to be some growing pains because we are talking about two of the most dynamic scores that we've seen in NBA history. So they're going to figure it out. They just got to iron out the kinks and the little things that they go through. Um, they only played two games together, but mysteriously, both of those guys have been in the 30-point range in both of the games that they've been able to play. So um, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. It's just going to be some kinks early on. That is part of the growing pains of what's going on, obviously, with the Mavs and something that I think we expected a little bit of it. We want to hear from you on a wedding at halftime of the Mavs game. Are you guys in on this? Out on this, 888-ESPN-888-729-3776+. Plus. Kyrie still creating conversation for a team he's not even on anymore, and I don't mean the Brooklyn Nets. You'll hear it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Nets and Suns pulling off a deal. Suns acquiring Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets. If you're the Nets, frankly, I I don't see how you don't look at this situation as anything other than a failure. It will always be remembered with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden as the team that never was. Finally, the Brooklyn Nets, that great experiment, it is finally over. And this is an organization that is ready to hit the reset button. Well, the sexy time music has taken a wild turn. The end of the second hour went from loving ballads that made us want to slow dance to the hibbity dibbity soundtrack. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN <laughs> Radio, the ESPN App Series, XM Channel 80. Taking shots at Devin. Oh, no, oh come on. Taking, I'm not taking shots at Devin. Oh, come on. Give us one, Devin. Just give us one good oh, come on. You know we need it. Signature move. Oh, come on. That's so good. 
He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Devin Kane, Evan Wilner doing great work behind the scenes. Uh, love and appreciate every one of you that take the time to listen to our show, uh, but also everybody that works really hard on this show. I, I know, even though we sound like a bunch of idiots, there's actually a lot of hard work that goes in to doing that. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and uh, we'll get to in a second to some audio you got to hear about. I, I mean, Kyrie is still, you know, causing, he's ruffling feathers everywhere. There's always some link. It's like Kevin Bacon, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. There's six degrees of Kyrie and everything in the NBA. But first, in honor of the fact that there was a halftime wedding at the Mavs Timberlake, uh, Timberlake, Timberwolves game, would have been more interesting if Timberlake was there. Uh, we're asking, can you get married at the halftime of a game? Also, that game? I don't know. Charles in Florida chiming in. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Charles, you in or out on weddings at a sporting event? What you got, man? Uh, only one sporting event, and it would be, of course, the halftime of Super Bowl, but it had to be, you know, I, since I, I would have to be rigged, like the NFL, it would have to be rigged so I could be able to pick the musical guest and then make sure I'm on the stage during it and that my team won. Okay, that's that seems like a moderate look. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, let demand, me say Charles. this clearly, clearly to Roger Goodell: if it means the Raiders will win the Super Bowl, I'll marry whoever you want at halftime. However you want, wear whatever you want. You can pick the band. You can pick the. You know what? I'll, I'll even I'll even provide the snacks for all sixty thousand people on Harry's budget if uh, if it means the Raiders win a can, Super Bowl. Can I? Am I allowed to be in the wedding? I mean that's up to that's up to Raj. Like whatever. Well, well I mean, do you do you want a great bachelor party? Is what I'm asking. Oh, you. Do yeah, you yeah, want a great bachelor yes, party? Yes. Okay, uh, so Matt, make your decisions wisely, my Harry, man. Harry make your my, decisions wisely. Harry's my best man, which actually works because next year's Super Bowl is in Vegas. Vegas. Look, if you and I look, uh, uh, that's uh, not what we're doing. A bachelor party, though. We're doing a bachelor party out of the country. Uh, we're not fooling with the U.S. for the bachelor party. We're going out of the country, my look, man. Look, I got one life rule, and it, it is: if you would see it in the opening scene of a horror movie and scream, "Why would you do that? Don't do it! Don't do it!" Now, all of a sudden, all I can imagine is we show up at the airport. Harry's got a little basket. He takes all of our phones. We're going away for what looks like it's going to be the, <laughs> the the trip of a lifetime. Hit me up, somebody. I'm writing a horror movie as we speak. All of a sudden. It turns into torture plane. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> we're have, well, trust me, we'll have a hell of a time. Yeah, that, that, that is fair. It, look, I'm doing whatever you say in that situation. Uh, nobody's doing whatever uh, Kyrie says at this point. As It's funny that there seems to be ripple effects constantly in the NBA from everything that Kyrie not only says or does now, but has ever done. Now, uh, he's, being, he's asking straight-up reporters not to ask him about his future, but that doesn't mean that other players in the NBA won't talk about their past because this is what James Harden, 76ers guard, said on Saturday at his press conference about his time with the Brooklyn Nets. There's a lot of dysfunction. Clearly, um, there was a lot of internal things that I'm not. For me, I'm not going to ever just say or put in the media or do anything. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, what I mean, I chose to make my decision. But uh, now, fast forward today, I don't look like the crazy guy. You know, what I mean, I don't look like the guy that or the quitter or whatever. You know, what I mean, the, the uh, media want to call me. Like I knew what was going on, and I just decided to. Hey, I'm not. I'm not built for this. Like I don't want to deal with that. You know, I, mean? I want to play basketball and have fun and enjoy doing it. And, um, and fast forward to today, you know, they got a whole new roster. <laughs> <laughs> listen, James Harden said, "Listen, I don't have to go home, but I got to get the hell out of Brooklyn." And, and some things that stood out to me right there, though, Fitz, was dysfunction. Clearly, he said things were. It was dysfunction. Clearly, there were dysfunction. 
He said there were a lot of internal things, a lot of internal things that he's not going to speak on. Great job, James Harden, not spilling the beans. Also, he said, now I don't look like the quitter. He basically saying I look like a guy that was doing what was best for my career and me moving forward. And he knew that he had to get out of Brooklyn. Man, man, man. I mean, if I leave this show tomorrow and then three months later, all of a sudden I come back and say, well, see, now I'm not the crazy one. Immediately, the first thought's going to be, so is it Evan, Devin, or Harry, right? Like, there isn't some question here. Like, none of us are sitting there thinking, oh, this must be reflective of ownership. Because players will make that very clear when they speak. If James Harden was saying something about an ownership level uh, issue or a management level issue with the Nets, he would easily, in that situation, be able to say, y'all, like, I told you that organizationally, like, management didn't create the right culture. Or you can now see that there was an ownership issue. He would say that when he doesn't identify it and says, see, I'm not the crazy one. I'm not the quitter. I just it wasn't good for me anymore to be there. He is squarely telling you that it's another player. I mean, you can deduce which one you want, but there's one player that keeps going from team to team to team to team that seems to leave a lasting bruise wherever he's been, and that's Kyrie. This feels like that is directed squarely at him, doesn't it? But, but, but I'll tell you, I, I think he's talking about everyone, though. In those regards, I don't think he's just talking about players. I think he's talking about ownership, uh, the the owner, the general manager, the head coach. Uh, I think he's talking about Kyrie. I think he's talking about KD because everyone played their part in it. So I think he's actually talking about everyone, but he's not going to go in detailed and, and, and spill the beans because some things are better just left unsaid. And, and you don't want to be that guy that's, that's telling everything that that went on within the organization because then moving forward, you don't know who's going to be able to trust you. Yeah, well, I, I hear that, but it feels like players in a player empowerment world in the NBA at least usually do a pretty good job of making sure that we know when it's, when it's about the non-players or when it's about the players. And the fact that there was no delineation there, mostly because I wanted to use the word delineation today to feel like I'm smart. Uh, since there was no change there, uh, I feel like at some point that's to me why I look at it. Plus, confirmation bias. I'm the first to admit, I'm putting everything that we've already seen with Kyrie together, putting those words together, and suddenly making it Harden is, is, is throwing darts at Kyrie. But we're all, all of them are going to share blame in what went wrong in Brooklyn, right? Well, shout out to the Brooklyn Nets, man. They lost to the Knicks for the first time in the last, what, 10 tries. Uh, they, they had owned the Knicks up until that point. The last nine times they played, they lost to the Knicks recently. So things might be going downhill for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, that is no surprise. And uh, we're going to spend years talking about this chapter of the Brooklyn Nets and what went wrong. Speaking of chapters that end, there is one quarterback team chapter that is ending today. A quarterback that could help your team win a Super Bowl is about to become available in the next hour or so. Who's going to land him? We'll figure it out. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 